It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, it's a new year. There are good vibes. There are brand new guys to talk about. And therefore, I wanted to open up for your mailbag questions. The listeners came through. We got questions about Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett, Grady Dick, Jonte Porter, and so much more coming up on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, January the 5th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that's busted at Woodley Sean, a website, by the way, that I'm using more often because the Toronto Raptors are fun and interesting again, and I kind of want to do them tweets. So uh, yeah, you can find me over there at Woodley Sean. You can go and uh, find us on Instagram, of course, at Lockdown Raptors. And we are, of course, on Discord. We got the link to the Discord server for the podcast listeners out there uh, in the description of the podcast. It's free to join. We'd love to see you in there. It's super fun. Uh, great. Just basketball talk. You know, last night I'm in there sort of dropping thoughts on that really, really killer Spurs Bucks game. And of course, we got the Raptors talk. We got fake trades, movies, video games. It's all going on in there. So come hang out we'd love to see you become part of our locked on raptors listener family of course you can find the show for free as well subscribe follow rate review tell a friend it's much appreciated when you go ahead and do that it helps us go up the rankings makes us more popular helps people discover us and that in turn makes me feel very very good inside you can also go to youtube and subscribe and hit the little notification bell for our everydayers out there it's a great little tool to never miss the episode when it's set to premiere you can go hang out in the live chat over on the premiering episodes as well so go ahead and do that and thank you as always for all of your wonderful support as well thank you to linkedin for their support today's show is brought to you by linkedin linkedin jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nba that's linkedin.com slash locked on nba to post your job for free terms and conditions apply okay 
Let's get rolling. Uh, it's a Friday. The Raptors play a late game tonight in Sacramento, a game I'm very excited for, by the way. It's awesome being excited for Toronto Raptors basketball again. And the Kings, I think, pose a very interesting matchup, a matchup the Raptors have been pretty successful with, um, just in terms of, you know, the, the Kings have no one to guard Scotty Barnes and or Pascal Siakam, and maybe now even R.J. Barrett with his bully drives. It's a fun matchup. The Raptors usually play the Kings very, very well, often beat them. So looking forward to that. Maybe some thoughts on that game to close up the show if there's time. But uh, the big meat of today's show is going to be listener questions. We got questions from the Discord. Of course, that is the place to go if you want your questions answered on the show. I'm only taking them from the mailbag channel over on the Discord. So you got to hop in there if you want to get your questions heard on the show. And we got lots of great ones this week. And of course, we're going to dig largely into questions about the new guys, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, all of the excitement and fun around them, plus some questions about young guys who just might maybe squeak in to the back part of the rotation sometime this season. Jonte Porter, pretty intriguing. Grady Dick, a little bit more of a question mark. We'll get to those. We've, of course, got uh, some weird stuff coming up the last part of the show as well. But let's dive into the question that came in from Ben Chapman, our pal over in the Discord. What has impressed you about Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett in a way you weren't expecting through two games? I love this question, and it's tough. So I've said this on the show before. I was a little sicko for the Knicks. I still am. I love watching the Knicks for some reason. I don't know. They kind of remind me a little bit of the Kyle DeMar teams, just in terms of their overall quality and perhaps ceiling, flaws, strengths, etc. I really liked uh, those Raptors teams, of course, and I really like this Knicks team for similar reasons. Jalen Brunson's awesome, all of that. And so I don't think I'm surprised necessarily by anything quickly or Barrett have brought to the table. I was pretty familiar, I think, with what their whole deal was, but... I do think on the quickly front, you know, I've been pounding the drum for quickly all season long since like July and hoping the Raptors could find a way to overcome the lawsuit and land him on the team. And I knew that he was going to change the offense and the way it looked. I think it might just be that I'm in shock at how quickly and obviously it's changed the offense. And it's just like, again, kind of been a shock to the system for like we've just been watching really bad basketball for a long time as it turns out and I think it's kind of a reminder of where the league is and what can happen when you have this type of movement shooting jitterbug guard who can create and or move off the ball it's just a total game changer in the modern NBA and we've not really been watching the Raptors play modern basketball for quite some time even with Fred Van Vliet he was not the same mover, especially in the later years of his time in Toronto. Early in his career, he was definitely like a, an excellent relocator, mover off the ball, coming off screens, etc. Became more of a initiator, obviously, in the later parts of his Raptors career. And you didn't quite see the sort of whack-a-mole that is Emmanuel quickly, where one possession he could run a pick and roll, the next possession he could be darting through traffic and popping out for a, a wide open three on the other side all that stuff like it's it's just a very very different team to watch and I'm pretty surprised and pleasantly surprised by how quickly he has transformed the Toronto Raptors offense and man we got to figure out other adverbs other than quickly to describe Emmanuel quickly I guess this is annoying um, but very fastly it's changed with Emmanuel quickly in the mix so that's kind of the thing for me that's been a little bit surprising I, on the defensive end for quickly I think I maybe, you know, I thought he was a good defender, obviously, coming in. I think I'm maybe a little surprised by just how not overmatched he seems physically. 
you look at him, he's a pretty slight and slender dude. And it seems like, okay, this guy might have trouble sticking with more, you know, stronger guards or fighting through screens, just kind of holding up on the ball and in sort of with like a strong sort of base and all of that. Haven't felt that at all. He's been pretty rock solid. And I think the the stuff he does is like a shot contester is pretty exciting as well. So yeah, a little surprised, I think, just by the stoutness of Emmanuel quickly compared to his sort of physical build and what you would expect. And that's a nice thing for RJ. I think I've been surprised most by how he's held up defensively so far. He's a guy who obviously has the tools to be a very good defender. He's just so strong and bruising. And you would think that that could translate to the defensive end the same way it translates to his drives, for example. And, you know, he seems like a reasonably sort of quick lateral mover, I suppose. Like, I I think there's a good defender in there. He has not been that for long stretches of his Knicks career. It's been very up and down. He's had high points, low points, the whole R.J. Barrett experience. But I I think even more than quickly, he's surprised me with what he's done as a defender. It's basically um, been well above what's been advertised of R.J. Barrett as a defensive player. You know, as far as his sort of offensive game, I'm very much not surprised by anything we're really seeing there, frankly. He's someone who's going to have those really strong drives. He's going to finish for you. He's going to get to the line. He's going to knock down the odd three. And when he's hitting those threes, it's really, really impressive looking. When he's not, it's a little bit eh, because the playmaking's not really all that there's a lot of misreads a lot of passes that are a little bit like kind of like head scratching so not been super surprised by the offensive package particularly in the half court i have been a little intrigued and surprised by barrett's just forcefulness in transition he's been a bull he's been you know kind of getting into the teeth of the defense we saw in that grizzlies game You know, it's nice to have alternative options to run your transition attack, right? Scotty Barnes has been this orchestrator so often this year, but he's also a really good three-point shooter. And there was an example in that Grizzlies game, I believe, where Barrett has the ball in transition. He drives right into the teeth of the defense, kicks out to Scotty Barnes trailing for a three. And that's a nice way to use Scotty Barnes as well. He might be the best shooter on the basketball team right now, non-Emmanuel quickly division, however. Um, And having that as a weapon as well, just sort of to give Scotty Barnes other ways to affect in transition, that's a cool thing. Obviously, the playmaking in transition is not perfect. There was like a very obvious missed pass to a wide open Emmanuel quickly in that first game against the Cavs. There will be you know, surely some mistakes of Reed's running transition. But I think just having another guy who can grab and go is nice. And as much as OG was emboldened to grab and go in his time with the Raptors, especially over the last couple seasons, I think I'm way more comfortable with RJ grabbing and going right now just because he's such a more direct player and just kind of goes beeline. I think OG was much better, obviously, as like a play finisher in transition, less so as an orchestrator. But I think between Siakam, Quickly, Barnes, and Barrett, those four guys... They can all grab and go. They can all make something happen on the run. They're all pretty quick. And I think that's a, it's a nice just bit of symmetry between the way those guys play in transition. And so that's been a nice surprise. I think in general, too, I've been pleasantly surprised by how well through two games the IQ, Barrett, Siakam, Barnes, Forsum has fit. Obviously, the Siakam fit in that is going to be of much discussion over the course of the next month. We already saw, or we keep on seeing reports of, oh, there's expected the Raptors are going to look at deals for Pascal. We saw this from Adrian Wojnarowski last week after the trade. Tim Bontemps had a little nugget in his piece today about OG Ananobi at the Knicks and the Knicks uh, about, you know, the, the Raptors being expected to move Pascal. You know, league sources pretend to know a lot about what the Toronto Raptors are up to, and uh, very rarely do they actually have a clue. Hence the OG trade, which just happened a week ago that kind of came out of nowhere. 
And so I, you know, take all that with a grain of salt. And I do think watching how this fit plays out over the next five weeks is basically the most important thing to watch in the Toronto Raptors viewing experience for the next little while is how do these four guys fit? Can this be a quartet that you go forward with and hope to build something out of? I'm actually pretty bullish on that being a thing. In particular, I think the Siakam IQ Barnes trio is basically perfect fitting and really accentuates what Scotty Barnes does well. I'm very much in on that. Barrett, I think, is the tricky one to you know try to figure in based on his past work. But I do think is like a fourth option working with those guys. He's shown so far that there is a role for him. And we're seeing some role definition. We're seeing guys seemingly knowing where their spots are and what their role within the half-court offense is. Obviously, it's going to basically come down mostly to does R.J. Barrett hit shots to really have this fit accentuated. Pascal continuing to shoot at like 42% as he has over the last 15 games would also be swell. Um, but yeah, those four guys, I'm intrigued in a way that I thought I was a little more concerned uh, you know, after the trade happened about how those four would fit together. I'm pretty encouraged so far. Look, that starting lineup they have is a plus three in 30 minutes so far. It's not like they're blowing teams away or anything like that, but obviously there's chemistry to be found and all of that. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm encouraged. That is, I think, been a pleasant surprise as well. We'll come back on the other side. We've got another RJ Barrett question to get to about his comps. Where does he, when you look around the league, recent history, who kind of lines up with RJ Barrett as far as the, the type of player he can be? On this team, given uh, you know sort of a greater role, lesser role, we'll get into that. We've also got questions about Grady Dick and Jonte Porter to get to. We'll do that in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. And look, at this time of year, it's the start of the new year. Every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? Not dissimilar to how NBA teams are operating going in to the NBA trade deadline. LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy. When you have that many qualified candidates, so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours of posting their job. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Everybody loves quick and easy. Uh, post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedInMBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedInMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Around the new year, we get obsessed with the things that we can change about ourselves instead of just expanding on the stuff that we're already doing right. Maybe you had some progress in 2023. Maybe you got back to the gym. Maybe you uh, you know, started reading books more heavily or whatever it might be. And you just want to expand upon that to feel like a, a better, happier person. Therapy can help you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that will actually really stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get, mat get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, which is a really big deal. Sometimes you might not click with a therapist the first time out, and you might want to find someone who better understands and you know listens or whatever it might be. It's just not everyone has the exact same wavelength that they're on. So you can change your therapist if you need to for no additional charge. That is a huge, huge feature. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked in NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. 
All right, we continue on here. Your mailbag Friday episode of Locked on Raptors. Uh, thanks again to everyone who sent in questions. A reminder, the Discord is the place to be if you want your questions sent. The link is in the description of the podcast, and you can always join us and come hang out. It would be lovely to see you in there. Lots of new faces this week after the trade. People got excited to come hang out and talk ball with the Discord. It's great. All right, more questions. More RJ Barrett questions in particular. This one comes from comes in from the Discord, of course, from Loquacious Drew asking... What do you think RJ's ceiling is as a player? What player comp would you be happy if or happy with if he turned out like? So first off, caveat here, player comps, not my favorite thing. I, I think my issue with player comps is it basically undercuts my favorite thing about watching basketball, which is that every dude is their own guy. The individuality of every player's style and brand and you know little intricacies and idiosyncras- idiosyncrasies like that is to me what makes basketball awesome and so i don't love doing player comps because i think it kind of defies the very thing that i think basketball is good because of and so um this is a tough question for me to kind of reckon with i also think it's a tough thing because rj barrett is a very hard guy to figure out a comp for he's essentially a shooting guard but he doesn't really look or play like a prototypical shooting guard he's a lot more bruising he uh doesn't have like knockdown three-point shooting to lean on he of course can slide up and down the lineup a little bit too he can play the three he played a lot of the four with the knicks as well and so i i think maybe i look at more sort of forward types as the comparison for rj barrett i think the guy i would love to see him kind of become is harrison barnes Harrison Barnes came in. He was a very highly touted prospect the year the Raptors, um, you know, had their draft pick kind of meddled with by the Ben Uzo triple-double and the Solomon Alibi double-double to close the season against the Nets in that very depressing game way back in 2012 or whatever it was. Um, And they ended up dropping down the standings. They got Terrence Ross, which, hey, fine by me, but I know Harrison Barnes was certainly someone the Raptors were pretty keen on going into that draft. And... I think Harrison Barnes obviously came into the league seeming like like he was going to be like one of those creation wings guy, wouldn't wing guys, right? He was going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He was going to be someone you build the team around. It didn't work out that way. He was drafted to the Warriors, and they had their guys they built the team around, obviously. And Harrison Barnes had to adapt. He had to become like a fourth or fifth fifth option. And I, I think over time he did that pretty darn capably, and is still doing that to this day. We will see him doing that tonight. For the Sacramento Kings, could the Kings use an upgrade on Harrison Barnes at this stage of his career? Certainly they could, but he's still a darn good player for what he's asked to do. And if R.J. Barrett can figure out the catch-and-shoot three-point shooting, that's really the big thing. Obviously the defense as well too, but I think if R.J. can be just a reliable, set-your-watch-to-him type of catch-and-shoot guy, Harrison Barnes, someone who was expected to be something maybe more than he became, but has had a very, very good noble career as an excellent, excellent role player. I, I think that's uh, that's kind of the dream for RJ Barrett here. And hopefully there's sort of a similar path to be followed there. Again, the three-point shooting is going to be the limiting factor. The playmaking, maybe a little bit less so as a fourth option type. But I do think the three-point shooting just kind of has to be there. If it's not, then the Harrison Barnes outcome isn't quite there. And it should be known, like, Harrison Barnes has been a good three-point shooter, at least an average three-point shooter ever since he came into the league. So he has that up on R.J. Barrett so far. But again, R.J. Barrett is 23 years old. Another guy who kind of comes to mind, and again, it's hard to find these comps, but someone, if the defense can be tapped into, which I am kind of a believer in, 
he seems like he really cares. Like caring is half the battle in defense. Um, and the physicality are is like another quarter of the battle. And then like scheme and instincts are kind of the rest of it. We'll see about the scheme and instincts part, but the trying hard and the physicality part feel like they're there for RJ Barrett. If he can tap into the defensive upside is like, this might sound insane because this guy made an all defense team, but is Luol Deng crazy as just like a fourth option, fifth option guy who's going to reliably finish plays for you when he has to, but he's not someone you're building your offense around by any means. He can be an ace defender for you and, you know, knock down a decent, not great percentage of his threes. Maybe you squint and see like a Luol Deng type with, with RJ Barrett. I'm not totally sure. Luol Deng was a really, really excellent defender, of course. But, um, you know, I, I think there's something there if RJ, if we're talking about the two skills of like defense and threes, if the development and improvement and refinement is more tilted towards the defense than the threes for RJ, then I think Luol Deng can be kind of a, an outcome here. And frankly, like if we're looking at RJ's ceiling, ceiling, ceiling as a player, I, I think. You know, that would have to happen on a team where he kind of is the guy or like the 1B or whatever and has a little bit more agency to create. And I think if given that, you know, like Rudy Gay kind of feels like the type of player there where it's like a little bit frustrating. The playmaking's not there. He can obviously put buckets on the board. He's going to throw down big dunks. He's going to have his moments where he looks awesome. He's maybe kind of a difficult difficult guy to fit around because his skill set as a one or two where he needs to be on the ball but isn't a great playmaker is kind of tricky to work around like – I kind of think Rudy Gay, if he was given carte blanche to just run a team, is probably where R.J. Barrett nets out. And frankly, I would rather be a Harrison Barnes type who is a very nice role-playing fourth option who can be on the floor for very good teams and high-leverage games over a Rudy Gay type who's maybe a little bit miscast as a number one. And so if I'm talking ceiling, I guess Gay is like a better player than Barnes career-wise, numbers-wise, but I think Barnes is a career I would rather have and so that I think probably is like the ceiling I'd like to see for an RJ Barrett. Um, really quick one here as we kind of meander our way through this segment. We got this next one here from Mr. Christer asking, what was the plan for Grady? Was the plan for Grady to redshirt his rookie season? Um, and sort of what are the realistic expectations for him for the rest of this season and next year? This is an important question, obviously. Grady Dick has been sort of put into like a two-week physicality gauntlet, I suppose, if you want to phrase it like that, by the Raptors. Um, down with the G League again. Had himself a decent, great game last night. He was 16.7 of 14 from the field. Of course, one of seven on threes. You don't love to see that. Six of seven on twos. That's not bad. You'll take that. But um, yeah, the threes obviously got to come here. You know what? It's tough. I think I was probably guilty of this. I probably just assumed that because this team is so light on three-point shooting in space that Grady Dick was going to be an effective player just kind of coming into games and offering space. I I, I went against my like number one rule, which is young players are bad. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my bold prediction at the start of the season that Grady Dick and Jalen McDaniels would be like the best bench combo of, of wings for the Raptors um, is one of the worst takes I've ever had. Just... Again, totally went against my ethos of assuming players are bad until they're like 24 and older, just because that's typically how it goes, unless you're a guy like Scotty Barnes, who's 22, but also just preternaturally gifted and all of that. Um, yeah, so 
it hasn't worked out the way I envisioned. I also thought it was a good idea to just kind of throw Grady Dick to the Wolves. I didn't think the Raptors were playing for a ton this season. And frankly, they're maybe not playing for a ton this season, though I do think they're probably incentivized to try to win some games here and see what they can get out of this newly assembled group. Um, so maybe this is less of a time to throw Grady Dick to the Wolves, and maybe it's a better time to just have him go and work on his stuff in the G League, get stronger, etc., um, I don't think the plan was for him to be just like kind of redshirted this season. No, I, I think there was hope that he could kind of jump in. I think that's evidenced by the fact that he was given a run right out of the gate and he couldn't take it and seize it and run with it. And so we we are where we're here now. Obviously, I, I think I'm not worried about Grady Dick yet. I, I think it's way too early for that. And sort of reflecting back and sort of revising the thoughts I had on Grady coming into the year. I probably didn't give enough credence to the idea that he's the type of guy who might be predisposed to struggling as a rookie. He's a guy who is just, you know, he's pretty spindly. He's kind of a beanpole. He's someone who is a very feel-based player, and the feel gets a lot different when the speed ratchets up to NBA speed from college speed. And I think um, we're, we, we've, you know, Darko talked about this in the preseason even. Maybe I should have listened to him more <laughs> about how he was just kind of getting accustomed to the speed and the flow. My hope is that by next year, he's at least in the early part of the season flirting with rotation duty by the end of the season, just like flat out in the rotation as like an eighth or ninth guy. That would be, I think, a pretty decent track for Grady Dick to be on going into his second season for the rest of this year. Just hope he can string together some good stuff with the G League and maybe get some run down the stretch, you know, post deadline, whatever it might be, depending on where the Raptors are at. If there's injuries, maybe they trade Gary Trent Jr., whatever it might be, I, I think. If you can get Grady into some NBA games and looking decent by the end of the season, that to, at this point feels like a major success. So that's kind of where I'm at with Grady Dick. We will get into uh, a question about another young player on the Toronto Raptors bench who has played G League time and now is apparently in the rotation in the NBA. We'll talk about Jonte Border. Jonte Border? Jonte Porter in another question coming up after the break. We've got a couple other fun hypotheticals as well we'll get to to round out the show for you here on your Friday. Today's show is brought to you by Hungry Root, which uh, for me, someone who really hates meal planning, meal planning is just like, I, I don't want to do it. I like to kind of cook things on the fly throughout the week, but then I get to the middle of the week and it's busy and there's no time. The Raptors game is starting in an hour and I'm like, okay, we'll just have a box of macaroni for dinner. How about that? Uh, Hungry Root is a perfect solution for a guy like me and maybe like you who does not like to go through the rigmarole of meal planning hungry root is the easiest way to get fresh high quality food delivered to your door they've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place you just take a fun short quiz and hungry root will get to know you your goals and how you like to eat they'll ask you what flavors you like which kitchen appliances you use that's big then they'll Keep your needs and preferences top of mind and start building your cart with delicious recipes and all of your grocery needs for the week. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks and sweets, and much more. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked On NBA listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies for life. That's HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. This is Jake from LockedOn. LockedOn has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, rounding out your mailbag episode of the pod here. Uh, again, a reminder, Locked On Sports 24-7, Locked On Sports Today 24-7, that is, is the brand new, first of its kind, 24-7 streaming podcast channel over on YouTube. Just go subscribe, and all day long you will get back-to-back episodes of all of our national shows covering all the biggest sports stories around the world, and, of course, the local experts on the biggest stories in all of the major sports leagues. Go check it out. It's a wonderful thing. You'll be directed there right after this. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe once you're there, and you will have entertainment to keep you occupied throughout your entire workday. What a beautiful thing. Okay. Let's round it out. More mailbag questions. We got a few to knock off here. And if I didn't get to your question today, I apologize. There are lots of good ones. And I just didn't quite have the... I'm a gas bag. I write down 10 questions to get to, and I get to six because I can't shut up. But I hope that's kind of why you like me. Um, All right. Next question, also from Mr. Krister, asking, will Jonte Porter be able to carve out a role as a backup center? How is his pick and roll game? He has some three-point range, so it seems there's a world where him and Dennis could work as a backup, as a bench combo. Look, I am fully on board with giving Jonte Porter some run here. I think it's been a little weird how lightly used the Raptors' two ways have been this season based on how meh the bench production has been you know if Jalen McDaniels were doing the thing that he was hoped to be doing if Grady Dick were in the rotation if Otto Porter were being counted on reliably every single night it'd be a different story but those guys have not been uh pieces of the rotation night to night and they've very clearly been a team screaming out for just a couple guys to pop who weren't expected to pop I'm not saying Jonte Porter will pop I I think his defensive um sort of validity is kind of the biggest thing right like if he can hang in as a defensive center as a drop big great I don't think that's necessarily been his bag as a G League player and coming up as a prospect but we saw some nice flashes in that Memphis game he clearly's got a little bit of passing chops as well he made that really nice kick out um for a three in the Memphis game where he got the offensive board kind of offensive board kind of spun pivoted kicked out um so there's some touch there and feel that's great to see from a backup big And he shot very well from three in the G League recently as well. So, yeah, I I think if he can knock down a couple threes a night or just attempt a couple, keep defenses honest and hold up as a a backline rim protector type with some help, hopefully kind of there to to offer a bit of stability with him too, then I think, yeah, there's a pathway here. The Raptors clearly need a backup center, someone to soak up those minutes. I think Scotty Barnes is probably their best backup center option right now. And I'm not opposed to just kind of him taking 10 minutes a night to be their backup center. But if you want to have Scotty freed up to do wing and guard stuff more often, then yeah, you're going to have to work in a center. And I don't think Chris Boucher is really there. Christian Coloco would be the answer here, I think, unquestionably, considering the signs he showed last year, just as a guy who can lift the floor of a defense simply by walking onto the floor. Um, but obviously, he's still very much not playing basketball for the Toronto Raptors, and it's a super unfortunate thing because I think Christian Coloco could be a really important piece to tie this whole picture together. If Jonte Porter can do that, 
and fill in and maybe make a claim to being a backup center type going forward. That's amazing. That's a, a really, really great step in the right direction as they look to fill out this rotation. If this is the type of team they want to go forward with, you know, Pascal or not, we'll see. But um, yeah, I, I think Jonte Porter, as someone who offers a bit of a different flavor to Jakob Pertl as well, a little bit more stretch to his game. Absolutely. Very in on him being coming a backup center type if they can, you know, see him hold up as a defender here. As like a pick and roll target, I feel like he's maybe more of a pick and pop guy than a pick and roll guy. But frankly, I don't think I've watched enough Jonte Porter to have a true opinion on his pick and roll gravity as a roll man and all of that. So we'll keep uh, keep tabs on it. But there seems to be some touch there. Seems to be some feel. Maybe some short roll playmaking and stuff like that can be something you work and layer in over the course of time if you get some more run with him. Um, but yeah, I, I'm in on the uh, Jonte Porter experience. That's there, There's no doubt about it. Like, give him run. What is the downside? They have gotten not very much from the backup center spot this season. Why not see if a guy who's on a two-way can pop? It's not like guys on two-ways have never popped for this team or for other teams in the past. Let's go to another question here. This one comes from Green Giant JG, who I think I'm losing to right now in the Lockdown Raptors Fantasy League this week. Very disappointing. Uh, I had a big win last week over the number one seed and uh, just fallen flat on my face this week. Get it together, Jalen Brown. Um, Green Giant JG asks, hypothetically, we see somehow we somehow end up with drafting Bronny James and subsequently sign LeBron. We make it work. Don't ask about the semantics like cab space. Do the fans embrace LeBron signing after causing so many years of heartbreak at his hands. Uh, I wouldn't entertain this question if the Raptors didn't have the 31st pick in the draft this year. Now that maybe that's brawny territory. I don't know. Um, would be pretty awesome. I gotta say, uh, you know, if they were to trade Pascal Siakam and then use cap space to sign LeBron James. Yeah, I, I could probably make my peace with that. Even yes, LeBron will be 40 next season. Don't care. LeBron rules. And I kind of think LeBron is going to uh, keep being awesome until like he's 46 if he wants to, just as like, you know, a, a role player playmaking big type. Like that totally is feasible to me. Maybe he never wants to assume that role. Maybe he does just to kind of add to his goat resume. Oh yeah. I also became like the best role player in the league. I became like a better version of Boris Diaw in my forties. That I think would go a long way to the LeBron James greatest of all time case. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I think it would be awesome. And if the fan base doesn't appreciate getting to watch LeBron James play on their basketball team, I think the fan base is completely out to lunch. Uh, yeah, he caused a lot of heartbreak, but you know why he did that? It's because he's awesome. And if you could get that awesome player and also his son on the team, uh, I think that would be pretty darn fun. Do I think LeBron, you know, let's play it out. The Raptors draft Bronny James. Is LeBron James really going to come to Toronto? I have a hard time thinking that like maybe a trade is coerced for Bronny to go somewhere where LeBron wants to go that the Raptors can get something out of because the team that wants LeBron and Bronny is inclined to give up some stuff. That's probably what happens here. But uh, in this wild hypothetical, which, hey, why not? We're feeling the good times and the good vibes today. Yeah. Draft Bronny James 31st overall and just see, because I think as far as like fun fan experiences go, watching LeBron James play for the Toronto Raptors at the twilight of his career would be freaking awesome. And, uh, you know, I feel like Scotty Barnes could learn a thing or two from playing with LeBron James as well. Uh, would not hate that, even if maybe he would, uh, you know, work behind the scenes to get Darko fired within about five games. I don't know. Maybe he would love Darko. I don't know. But uh, yeah, do it. It would be great. 
Last question here. We'll quickly hammer this one out. It is a good question. I'd like to leave these sort of bigger picture NBA questions for the end sometimes. Loquacious Drew with another question entry here. What is one rule you would change in today's NBA to make the product more enjoyable to watch, such as eliminating the three-second rule, for example? Um, the three-second rule one's interesting because I do think I'm pretty inclined to wanting any rule change that makes it easier for defenses to play good defense. I'm a nerd, okay? I'm a loser. I like when defense is good. I'm sorry. Um, and I think right now the league is at a point where defense is just so bloody hard to play. You know, I think Zach Lowe made a really good point. I was listening to his episode with Bill Simmons this week about how, like, yes, the league has changed. It's all relative. And the teams that are good at defense are still better at defense, even in the context of, you know, the, the offensive revolution, like defenses still need to be good to be good, like for teams to be serious and all of that, just, they have to be good relative to the rest of the league. But I just, I like the idea of it kind of being harder to score baskets, I guess. And the three second rule thing's not so bad. Um, but I think I'm going to go a different way. Uh, and I've said this before on the show, but I, I cannot believe this has not been done yet. Elam ending for overtime. NBA overtime sucks. It's the worst part of NBA basketball. It is so often a letdown after a killer finish to regulation. You get teams that are just like married to the same five players who close the game playing through the full five minutes of uh, the end of the overtime. And I think that is just kind of maddening and like just put fresh legs in it. Seems like it would be helpful. I don't know. It, it just it never lives up. Very rarely do you get an overtime game that ends as wonderfully as the regulation did when you get maybe a tying shot or a big dramatic missed bucket or something like that. And I think to inject some juice to the overtime, having a target score to play to, whether you're playing to 11, whether you're playing to seven, I don't know what it is, but uh, like just make it pick up rules, play to a number and just go that way. It's great. I have called elementing games in the CEBL now for three or four seasons since they brought it in. And it's just a fantastic experience, especially in the NBA, where you're not going to change the 48 game format for the NBA. There's too much history tied up into it, the history books, et cetera, et cetera. Also, just like that's not something that's too gimmicky, probably, for them to do in the regulation portion of games. But regular season overtime, that's a place for leagues to get playful and creative. We've seen it in baseball, where you have the ghost runner on second uh, to start uh, you know, the extra inning games to avoid 17 inning extra inning, inning games on Wednesday nights and stuff like that. I think that's great. Three on three overtime in hockey. Yes, coaches have kind of coached the fun out of it so far, but um, like the peak of three on three hockey overtime, sometimes I just wish hockey were three on three when I watch it because it's so bloody fast and fun and entertaining. And so with the NBA, they're just, I think there needs to be some freshening of how overtime is played. And the Elam ending for overtime, I think, would be an absolute blast. You have every game end on a bucket. That, to me, is the way to match the, whatever, the, the thrill of a game that ends tied and have that momentum carry over in overtime. I think that's the way to do it. Um, listen to me, Adam Silver, please. I, I think it would be a really good thing. Um, I also think, like, the best part of this is it stops late game fouling in overtime. You know, I get it in regulation, the clock, you got to manage it and all that stuff. But I do think any way you can stop just the incessant fouling, incessant stoppages late in games, like 
any person who's not a regular NBA fan, they watch a game and the first thing they say is, man, this is taking long to play. Like, yeah, it's a stupid cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. And I think it's an inhibitor and an obstacle to some people becoming NBA fans, make it flow better. And our pal Stago in the Discord noted uh, no live ball timeouts would be a change he'd make. And I fully endorse that as well. Go FIBA with it, man. And games that aren't stopped by timeouts late in games for coaches to do their coach thing. Just let the players do the stuff on the floor. Call stuff out from the sidelines. Coach how you're going to play the last two-minute situations without a timeout uh, beforehand. Like I-, I think that is a great way to enhance the viewing experience as well. So overtime, Elam ending, and no more live ball timeouts. I think those are the two that I would put forth to answer this question. And that... It's going to be how we wrap up today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Monday to break down uh, the goings-on for the Raptors as they continue their Western road trip, the Kings tonight. And I think it's the Warriors Sunday, maybe? Or is it Monday? I, I don't. I can't remember the days where they play. But either way, the Kings tonight, that's going to be an absolute blast. So we will talk all about that on Monday and uh, tee up the rest of the week to come, probably with our pal Vivek Jacob. So you have that to look forward to. Thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend. It's always appreciated when you support the show. It's free to do. It makes me feel great inside. So I don't see the downside to doing it. And we will speak to you again after the weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.